Lucas, tell me, how are things going on the island of Cape Breton? That's right. My Animal Crossing island, Cape Breton, uh, named after a, a local <laughs> island fixture. Where, um, my, where my parents are from. That's kind of my spiritual hometown. It is. Well, I don't think we knew we had this in common. It's it's also where my parents are from. Oh, really? Which part yeah. of Cape Breton? My mom, my, my mom, she's from Glace Bay, right? Don't hold hmm. it against her. Sharon Haley from Clay Spain, Nova Scotia. And then my my father is one of the 15 people from St. Peter's. Oh, interesting. Um, Jenna's parents are from River Bourgeois, which is near St. Peter's. That's right. My, my, my dad actually knows Jenna's parents. They've, That's, they've, yeah. they've worked together. Uh, um, yeah, and my parents are both from Sydney proper, Sydney, Nova Scotia. And my mom... Oh, Sydney! Oh, yeah. big The big city. And... Uh, my mom's uh, family grew up in uh, Whitney Pier. Well, well, we've already alienated ninety nine percent of the <laughs> listeners, so we have. I have to ask: uh, a Napoli pizza or Canny's? I don't know if I ever had either, to be honest with you. Oh my word! Because 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 my because my my Baba was always making Polish and Ukrainian food while we were there, so ah, we are we sense. always we always ate at home. I uh, one time I was I uh, went to uh, I went to college with a Cape Bretoner. Uh, he was from Sydney, and uh, one time I hung out with him, and he introduced me to all of his buddies, uh, and they spent about uh, forty-five minutes talking about Kenny's Pizza. Yeah. Uh, it, to the point where, like, they were talking about, like, did I tell you about the guy that went to Italy? <laughs> Best pizza in the world. The waiter was asking him. Uh, so, sir, what do you think of um, the Italian pizza? You know, the origin, the first country to invent pizza, best pizza in the world. And he goes, "Bye, you met my friend Kenny." Um, I think the closest thing that we can compare Cape Bretoners to uh, for our other Canadian listeners uh, would be probably if you've ever seen Letter Kenny. Like, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of that. Or if you've right, ever met right. a New- or if you've ever well, don't say this in Cape Breton, but if you've ever met a Newfoundlander, it's kind of close. Letter Kenny is kind of the send up of like the rural Ontarian. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, a Cape Bretoner is. But there is, are echoes of those other, t- those other like rural stereotypes or tr- or truisms that you and I are used to from uh, from our neck of the woods. Listen, I didn't expect us to get on such a big Cape Breton kick in the early in the podcast, but I've been, uh, you know, all cooped up in my kitchen. I've been reverting back into my Cape Breton roots. I've just, I've just had the Mull River Shuffle on loop. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's what you're going to be playing when you're out of quarantine. Yeah, oh yeah, the Mull River Shuffle. Uh, listen, all those listeners, if you want to crash course in what we're talking about, the Mull River Shuffle is like a three minute song that has a minute and twenty second intro. Just setting the scene of like, it's it's so dramatic. It's like this synthy spoken word intro, um, setting the scene for just a bunch of people getting drunk in their kitchen. It's like imagine it was fifty years ago and you were getting drunk in your kitchen. That's like the gravitas, <laughs> uh, the gravitas that's being led to this storytelling in in, in the Mole River Shuffle. Anyway, the reason we're talking about Cape Breton is because my Animal Crossing Islands called Cape Breton, um, and when I'm not working, every waking moment is spent. Uh, you know, uh, picking fruits and uh, shaking trees and catching bugs and fishing fish and sending letters. Um, it is just my it, what a what a joyous, wonderful time Animal Crossing has been. Uh, a nice, a nice, you know, escape from, uh, uh, it's very serendipitous that kind of a simulation of community and the outdoors and all the things we can't have right now just happens to coincide with, uh, quarantine. 
big time. And uh, I, I'm not much for Animal Crossing myself. Now, granted, I have, I haven't given it a whirl, so who knows? But the Switch is being overtaken by my wife, who is in the middle of it. So I've been playing older games that I either haven't completed or wanted to play again. Currently, I'm uh, playing Okami, which is a PS2 classic. Oh yeah, no. Uh, the what is it? Uh, Asura or what, uh, what's Amad- the Amaterasu? Amaterasu. Yes, excuse me. Legend of the game. Welcome to Elwood City Limits, everybody, and uh, yeah, it's time to talk about some Arthur. Uh, welcome to the Episodic Arthur Podcast. It's Will Young along with uh, Lucas Mancini. That is me. And uh, we only have one email this week over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, which is okay. Uh, we don't mind a light week here and there. But, uh, you know, if you're uh, looking for something to do, you can always send us a message uh, over on there. So let's take a look. And this one is from Kelsey, who has some Arthur spinoff ideas. So why don't we see uh, what Kelsey's thinking in terms of that. Uh, hey guys, this email's a little bit long. Hope you're doing well during these uncertain times. I'm trying to stay optimistic, but it's kind of scary right now. So for fun, I've had three Arthur spinoff ideas. So, idea one, a young Ratburn spinoff. Even though I think a young Ratburn spinoff would be a little like young Sheldon, but it would be very interesting to know Ratburn's upbringing and what makes him, well, Ratburn. My idea for this would be a video diaries due to the episode The Buster Report, where Binky finds a video from Ratburn's past. That's not bad. I think that I think that Rapper definitely has a lot more spinoff potential. Yeah, and you could frame it kind of in a more overtly educational manner, like a postcards from Buster. Like, what is rap childhood Rapper's academic pursuit of the week, or what have you? Idea two would be a David Reed spinoff, where he gets a job being a personal chef for a rich family outside of Elwood City, and Jane wants to stay, so they make their relationship work long distance. Arthur follows his dad to his new job. David forms a bond with the family he's working with. Meanwhile, Arthur tries to bond with his dad and feels left out due to his dad's new workload. That's actually like kind of a great idea to be to be honest with you. Now, let's let's what if the 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 person out of town that he's the personal chef for is the president, okay? Yeah. Um and instead Arthur's name is Corey and then it's Corey that's Corey in the house. That's the plot of Corey in the house. <laughs> Never never watched Corey in the house. I'm only vaguely aware of it. Corey's dad becomes the chef for the president, and, well, the house that Corey's living in, well, it's the White House. <laughs> um, and idea three. This one would be a weird pairing combo of Patrick, Mr. Ratburn, and Bitsy. Bitsy gets a journalism job out in New York. Patrick's tiny chocolate shop is getting social media traction and decides to go to New York to grow his business. Buster doesn't want to leave Elwood City. Neither does Mr. Ratburn, but of but he is supportive of his husband's dream, and Buster loves his mom and supports her. They end up sharing a house together because living in New York is expensive, and they all have to learn to get along. Also, I kind of like that one, too. Interesting. Now, the one change I would do to that one is it would be Crown City. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. There you go. Keep it real on brand. But sure. Yeah. I, I like the idea of kind of odd couples, and I, I I, think the big attraction point is Buster living with Mr. Ratburn, which we've already kind of, we saw a little bit in the, in the the with Arthur living with him, but uh, Buster, I think, is going to be immediately kind of turned off by that idea. Well, thank you, Kelsey. That was Those are some fun ones to think about, and let us know if you get any further with that. And, of course, you can send us emails, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Lucas, we have a new patron this week, and I want to see if, A, you recognize them, and uh, B, if well, actually, they're both the same things. See if you recognize them if they ring a bell. 
Okay, I embarrassed myself last time we did this by missing up on Marlowe. So this time, I am focused. I am in the zone. Um, I'm ready to go. You hit me with the hit me with the names. Name names, Will. When I stomp your foot and wink and say the new patron's name, then you'll say okay. Oh my goodness. All right. So our patrons that make the show possible at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits and who I might add are getting access to our newly named podcast for the kids, a PBS kids podcast. Uh, they include such fine, fine people as Aaron DeFilippo, Alex, Andrew Power, Caitlin Harrington, Chandler LaFave Boten, Christine Lescody. Was that the was that the new name? Was that yes. why you, you, you had a dramatic pause there, Lucas? In case you don't remember, Christine Lescody was our most recent guest on the show. Oh, guest other, other than other than Andrew. That's right, fellow Gilmore Girls fan. I figured out on Twitter uh, Abs- this week. Absolutely. So, Christine, welcome to the family, and thank you so much. Uh, we also have, speaking of Christine's, Christine Wong and uh, Sierra S. There's Dan, Mike Dawson, Silva, and Emily K. Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John DeLong, John Griswold, Josias Melendez, Kat, Kaylin Krogull, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Lily W., who is another new patron. Didn't mean to leave you out there, Lily. Macy Ball and Marla Stanfield, Matt. Melissa, uh, Melissa, I keep forgetting to pull your name up because it doesn't fit in the little, in the little uh, f- view here. Melissa Avales Milan, Michaela Gibson, pretty cool stairs. Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, uh, Shelby Eden Dawkins Law, Stella, Teresa, William Wombat, and Yoshi, and those other two are also new patrons of ours. Welcome, welcome everybody, and uh, hey, thanks for all the feedback so far on for the kids. Uh, we just talked about uh, Teletubbies on the most recent episode, and I'll tell you what we'll be talking about next week on our brand new episode. But of course, you'd already know that if you were a patron. So patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Okay, Lucas, but it's uh, it's Arthur we're talking about today, and we're going to start with Three's a Crowd, and uh, this is a character I wasn't thinking that we would be seeing again. It's Hopra! Hopra! I... I... I was not expecting, I don't know what I was expecting this week, but an authorization of Oprah. This is one of those ones that I, I feel like we they always make a bigger deal when they actually get the voice. So mm. the ones that are just kind of a parody of a real person always come as a surprise. So I, I'm I'm blanking on when we've seen Oprah before, but I know that she's been here. Or at least somebody has said the name Oprah. Oprah Linseed is the Linseed, full thing. Linseed, yes. Uh, I'm looking at the. I'm looking up the full thing right now. Hopra Linseed was in. Oh, she was in Ask Muffy. She was the inspiration between behind Muffy getting her own talk show. We are in the audience of uh, hoping with Hopra. So Hopra is asking people uh, what they think about sharing, and she goes down to the crowd. Uh, DW and Arthur are there with their mom, and uh, DW kind of rats Arthur out of just like uh, tried to share my TV time with him. Uh, graciously and then Arthur's like no you lost your TV time because you talked back to dad and then they get in a fight and then Hopra goes over to Prunella who it turns out this is a Prunella episode and Prunella is proud to say that she shares absolutely everything with her best pal Marina and we kind of talked about this in other Marina episodes but gosh darn these two are so cute together Prunella and Marina they're just you just see them like um and and you see it later in the episode too just them having fun being friends it's so cute it's so wholesome 
No, yeah, it's a great, like, you. I'm reminded of, like, shows like Broad City or something, like, shows that really do an effective job of portraying female friendship or what have you. Um, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Speaking, oh, man, speaking of that, I would love a Broad City where it's Prunella and Marina as, like, 20-year-olds in the oh, city. Oh, like uh, 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 urbanites living in, in Historia, Queens? Yeah. <laughs> That would be amazing. Uh, but it turns out Prunella is holding out on something. There is one thing that she won't share with Marina. We'll have to find out what that is. So the episode actually starts with Prunella doing uh, yoga outside with her mom, who we find out later her mom's name is Wanda. Uh, uh, like, like like the fish will. A fish named Wanda. and uh, Or my, my first the first Wanda I think of is Wanda from the Magic School Bus. Oh, yeah. See, I, I don't remember any of the names of the kids besides Carlos. Let me see. There's Carlos, Tim. Oh, dang. Are you going to do this off top? I'm going to try and do it off top. So there's Carlos, Tim, Arnold, Wanda, Keisha, Ralphie, um, Phoebe, uh, DA, and I'm sure I'm, I know I'm missing somebody. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick scan of the memory, see if anybody comes to me. I mean, there's Miss Frizzle, obviously. Um, actually, that might be it. I think there's what like four What was the lizard's each. name? Oh, Liz. Ah. I, th- I, I, think I, 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 think, I think I got them all. I think I got them all. I think it's like four girls and four boys. Ah, Terrace House Rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Prunella and her mom, Wanda, are uh, doing some outside yoga, which apparently uh, Prunella just picked up. Which, if you ask me, I figured Prunella would have been some an early adopter of yoga long before this episode. So this was something that I was thinking about throughout this episode is that um, the early 2000s, kind of the way like the <laughs> yoga is portrayed. I, and we might have talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, me and my friends, we have this tradition where we watch like bad early 2000s movies that just like talk over and make fun of them. And we were watching movies like, you know, The Love Guru um, and that, yes, awful, yes. that awful Eddie Murphy movie where every time he says a word, uh, the leaf falls from the tree. And, and if the, all the leaves fall from the tree, we'll be able to talk anymore and like there's like all these early 2000s movies where the the a big premise um is like eastern medicine or like a guru or like there was this like thing in the early 2000s where i don't think yoga's you know less popular now than it was then in fact i think it's more popular yeah the way people talk about yoga i think has changed right like it's a lot more a part of everyone's everyday life or you would refer to yoga the same way you would refer to, I don't know, I do burpees or something, right? Like I'm going to go do my yoga where in the early 2000, I think there was a lot more of this, like, and I'm doing air quotes here, like Eastern medicine, like, of course they would pick Prunella to do it because it was this like, Oh, like people, yoga used to be a thing for people who were way into like incense. And now it's just like, a very healthy exercise that everybody does. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just interesting to watch the way pop culture and pop culture's portrayal of yoga specifically has kind of changed so much over the last 20 years. I do know what you mean. Um, So I I wrote down that this episode kind of came out in 2005, would have been done before that. And yeah, you're right. There was a spiritual element to yoga that I think was initially fascinating to new adopters. I mean, like my mom did yoga for a long time, but there I mean and and you're you're right that it has evolved into more of a kind of exercise or activity less than it has or maybe not less than, but 
in addition to there being, there is a very spiritual element to yoga, or at least there can be for some people. I've been in yoga classes before where there is kind of that focus on it. And I've also done like my most, um, I, my, before I started doing ring fit, the biggest exercise that I had was DDP yoga, which is very much not spiritual. It's all about the stretches and the, uh, the muscle strengthening. So it's very much like an activity. Uh, what, what do they call downward dog instead of downward dog in TDP yoga? Isn't it like, Oh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, oh, oh, I haven't done DDP yoga in a while. What the, what the heck's the name of it? Um, but yeah, they, they have like, cause it, D- Diamond Dallas Page is a wrestler and he started doing like YRG, which is yoga for regular guys. And then it turned into DDP yoga, which is just kind of his y- yoga with a different branding on it. And so instead of, um, d- you know, he just calls it down dog, down, down dog. dog. What's, what's the, there's one pose where he's, he changes the name to undertaker pose, but I can't remember what the original. Ooh, I haven't done undertaker pose. So th- like I've, I've only done up to a certain difficulty level. There's like double black diamond and that kind of stuff, which is like really only for experts. So I haven't done that yet. So I'm not sure. That's a good question. And now I'm curious, but, uh, yeah, at, at like, or like at the very end, you may, maybe you're thinking of at the very end when you like kind of relax and just goes, "You're a dead man and woman." No, oh, yeah, maybe it's it's the the sleeping pose or whatever. It's dead man pose. That's and what it must be. Thinking and there's of. also instead of like warrior one and warrior two, it's road warrior one and road warrior two. Incredible. Yeah. No. Uh, DDP yoga is great, and I. And I recommend it. And I also wrote down here that, um, you know, Prunella nails a yoga pose. And her mom's like, wow, you're a natural at this. And, like, this is what it's like when I nail a yoga pose and ring fit. I get the same, like, dopamine response. So, yeah, Prunella is um, has started doing yoga recently. And she does it in early morning with her mom, which she says is even better than sleeping in an extra hour, which results in conclusive. But some people say so. Uh, we see her hanging out with Marina later. And they're playing, like, Imagination with... Uh, Henry Screever, which again, they're very cute together. And Marina pulls off the splits, which um, Prunell is very impressed by and invites her over to do uh, yoga with her mom. And she's very encouraging, just like, I don't worry about it. It's just me and my mom. You're not going to embarrass yourself, which I feel like taking like once you do, once you realize what yoga is um, to kind of get back to your point about the mid 2000s was like, that's when. I'm not saying that these are directly linked, but it's like when celebrities were getting a lot more spiritual. It's like when Madonna took up Kabbalah and stuff like that. And so the spiritual, I feel like, was kind of part of yoga's mystique. And uh, it was like, well, I don't know about yoga. I don't want to, like, you know, practice religion or anything like that. And so I feel like this was also echoing of, like, I don't know about yoga. Like, I don't know about all that. When really it is just a series of low-impact exercises that are actually really good for your flexibility. So I feel like that was a common, uh, not anxiety, not fear, but like cautiousness about like, I don't know, what is it? Apprehensiveness, perhaps? mm, Yes. Did you go to English for, did did you go to English for school? Because I did. You can tell by that sentence. Um, So, yes, uh, Marina does yoga with uh, Prunella and Wanda, and she's actually really good at it. She's, like, a natural. This is the very first time that she's ever done it. And uh, Prunella's at at first surprised, and then her mom, like, really compliments Marina. And this is kind of the baseline of the episode, is that Marina begins to do yoga more with Pr- with Prunella and Wanda keeps complimenting her and Prunella's feeling like well this isn't 
This isn't our thing anymore. Which I got to say, once we kind of get into that idea of the episode, it really feels a lot like the one from season one where Binky is uh, thinks that Sue Ellen's better than him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 this is another case where, and I think we've been saying this a lot this season, where this episode isn't necessarily completely retreading ground of a of a previous episode, but the the soul of it, or or it's not the exact same moral, and it's definitely not the exact same characters. But I feel like if you really strip it down to its individual parts, it just is a little too familiar to what we've seen before. Yeah, and it's 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 well worn ground at this point. Like there's a scene where they go into a um, into a clothing store, and Muffy uh, also wants to get in on on the yoga, and but Prunel is very much like, no, no, it's just just for us. Like flat, flat out denies her. I thought maybe she would be like, uh, no, sorry, Muffy, but Prunella has no problem telling somebody <laughs> no, which I, I appreciate. I feel like there's a lot of other characters that would dance around it. Um, but Prunella is really trying because, and I think this, I feel like there has been more than one Arthur episode where it's like, um, somebody's better than me at something. So I have to try and do it twice as good and then end up kind of not like either hurting myself or making myself look foolish. Like, uh, Prunella tries to do double Lotus because Marina can do double Lotus. And then Prunella tries to put her leg behind her head and gets stuck and hurts herself. She puts herself in what's that that lucha move where they get all twisted up? You know what I'm talking about? Zack Saber uh, Jr. does it where they put people into like a human pretzel. Do you know you know what I mean? I'm sure I do, but like <sighs> if it's a Zack Saber Jr. move, it's got a name that's too long to be repeated on broadcast. So uh, I'm sure I know what you mean though. But yeah, it looks like she's basically pretzeling herself. She has this um, imagination when she sees her mom and Marina doing yoga together. And it's really strange. It's like partially Henry Screever, which is Harry Potter. It's like Prunella lives in a room under the stairs, and her mom is this is Guru Wanda, who is instructing everyone. Everyone else is kind of wearing a yellow uh, outfit with like a. I'm gonna get this wrong, but almost like a a sash attached to it. Did you know I'm white? Uh, <laughs> Uh, so she is like the yoga guru to like, it's like Arthur, DW, Marina, Francine, Muffy. And she is going to name her new, like the new guru who has been studying under her. And Prunella bursts out of the room. She's just like, oh, thank you, mom. I'll, I won't let you down. And she's like, no, no, the new guru is Marina. Marina is better at yoga than you. And you're not wearing yellow. <laughs> this is Prunella's anxiety is that her mom likes Marina better than her because she can do yoga better. You know, now that I'm looking at this again, Will, I don't think you need to worry about not knowing the name of these outfits because I guarantee you, listen, I don't know this for sure, but if I was a betting man, there's 0% chance this is accurate or culturally, like, sensitive to anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe better I just avoid that at all. Um, so Prunella tries to kind of, not I don't know about get back, but she's trying to fill in the void that she's perceiving is in her life now that her mom is, has seemingly attached to Marina. So she knows that... That, uh, Marina says earlier in the episode that she and her mom really liked to quilt. So uh, Prunella goes over to Marina's house and asks her mom if she wants to quilt. And we get this uh, scene where Prunella is trying to sew the quilt and she has a, a thimble on every finger and is not exactly a natural at it. So Marina comes home, sees that that's happening. She's not really upset by it or anything, but uh, Prunella is like, once again, this is... Uh, 
you know, something you can do that I can't. And I feel like this is where I wrote the note. Can Prunella have a can Prunella and Marina have an episode where their friendship isn't in jeopardy? Please. I think it's like, only happened when like they show up as side characters in an episode. Um, which I think you've commented on whenever that happens. It's only happened a handful of times. You're like, oh, Marina's at this one just as like a little background character. Isn't that nice? Yeah. But I wish I wish that Prunella and Marina could have like their own episode and not have it be like, oh, I don't like you anymore. Or like some or like they're driven apart and then back and then back together again. It's like, OK, they're friends. Can we please stop? <laughs> Can we just let them be friends? Prunella confesses to Rubella at some point, or rather, Rubella indirect. I think Rubella indirectly finds out that Prunella is anxious about her mom liking Marina better than her. So this this is great. Like the the next morning, um, Wanda isn't going out for to do yoga, even though Prunella wants to. And Rubella just comes in comes into the room in her housecoat. By the way, fit check on that housecoat real quick. Oh, let me. I I don't think I even noticed it's, the house. It's the, it's the lovely green number around eleven minutes in. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> you got this right. She looks like something out of like um, Boogie Nights or something. This is incredible. <laughs> it's very retro. Like I feel like um, this family really enjoys their retro colors. Their fu- their like psychedelic patterns and stuff like that. No, yeah, yeah. The reason it reminded me of Boogie Nights is like how like. In uh, Mark Wahlberg's house, uh, this is a very 70s thing, how everything is just kind of East Asian, but there's no, like, uh, conjoining aesthetic. Like, it's just, like, (laughs) Japanese stuff and, like, Chinese stuff and, like, none of it's from the same place, all combined with, like, 70s decorating. It's all just carelessly put there in, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in place of an actual style. So, um, yeah, th- this is also great. Rubella, like, dips oh, out of bed. R- Rubella to- is in rare. This episode, I will say this. I've been, especially in the early seasons, very hard on Rubella. In fact, she was at a point my most hated character in the show, more so than Muffy, more so than anyone else. This right here has completely won her over. Uh, it's kind of like a double heel turn where now it's, it's she's like the Miz where I like her for how good she is at being just like a heel. I, I'm kind of into it <laughs> where this was like the most I've ever liked Rubella. I was like, Rubella is in rare form this episode. It's real great. It's like she literally just dips out of bed to rat out Prunella and then and then goes immediately back to bed. It's, <laughs> su- it's such a speaking of pro strats. That's how you do it. But yeah, she just basically spills the beans of how Prunella really feels and so that all kind of comes out, and of course, Wanda is like, "Well, it's like Marina's nice and all, but you're she's not my daughter, so I don't love her more than you." So it's Which, the end of the her, ep- her yeah. wording around that. I found was a little bit weird. Like I know this is true, but she says, "I'll never love her as much as I love you," which is weird phrasing. Like. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I I know that that's actually tr- probably true, but that's a weird thing to tell a little kid. I don't know. Right? Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, the, uh, love didn't have anything to do with this. I was, I thought you liked her more than. Should I have been worried that you loved her more than me? Um. So the end of the episode is um Wanda holding a yoga class for all of Prunella's friends, including DW, and then having Prunella as uh, her kind of assistant teacher. And in fact, I believe Prunella is directly teaching DW. Like they go into downward dog, and DW starts barking, and she's like, "Just breathe, DW. Don't bark." That's uh, that's the end of that one. Yeah, really. There's there wasn't as much to talk about in that one, but uh, we may have more to say about it on the back end of things. Uh, we're just gonna take a quick break here, and then we'll be right back for what do you know? Another Arthur episode. 
Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr, it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new a bi-weekly PBS Kids review show as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review you can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord which me and Will like to post it from time to time and if you want that sweet sweet Elwood City Limits merch check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store you can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Okay, so... Not only is A for Arthur, but A is for Angry, which is the title of this episode. And this, this is in. Was... I'm getting a live update. We're back from the break. We're talking about this Arthur episode, and I'm here with Will Young with a special news bulletin. Will, A is for Angry, the episode we're talking about today. What happens in the intro? Uh, oh man, Lucas. Um, well, I, I was I was watching the Arthur episode, and then everybody's running towards the camera and running away from something, but. I couldn't see what it was. Uh, it seems like they're talking about maybe uh, a character, a male character. They keep talking about he, but uh, you're not sure who it is. And whew, until uh, until the very end, when the camera pans around and it's Arthur looking to p- play checkers. Yeah, this was again much. I think last week or, or last episode of Elwood City Limits, we had an episode with like a really fantastic intro. This intro similarly was. This is like Arthur's answer to Cloverfield. The way that like they build up the tension, <laughs> the way the way they build up the tension of of like you don't know who or what they're talking about. Everybody's running. I when you sent me this uh, the link to this episode, kind of the the thumbnail for this video was uh, Buster being interviewed on the news, and I think I said to you, oh. I'm already excited from this thumbnail. Yes, that's uh, right. And, and this did not disappoint. I don't know who says this, but someone goes, "The fangs! Don't forget about the fangs!" It's it's because um like there's an, an interviewer in front of the camera. It first interviews Francine, and it's just like, "What are you running from?" Just like, and Francine doesn't give much of an answer. Then it's Binky and Buster, and Binky's like, "It had like it has terrifying wings." And then Buster grabs the mic and is like, "The fangs! Don't forget about the fangs!" Yeah, Buster grabs the mic and, like, fills the entire frame by, like, moving away from the news reporter and just, like, stuffing his face into the frame. Um, And then we, like, see the big... And also, everybody's, like, no one's actually seen what they're running from. They've just heard about it. Um, And so I'm, like, already so curious. And then the camera pans over, and it's Arthur. And this just reminded me of the end of Cloverfield, how the camera, like, pans up on giant Arthur. Uh, This was great. The Arthur Field paradox. Um, yeah, yeah, no, this ten ten Elwood City Lane. 
<laughs> this yeah, this was a fun way to start things, and but it, and it really had me curious about uh, about uh, what what exactly we were going to see. I know that there was a couple of people who had written into us and been like, "Oh, I can't wait for you to cover this episode." I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess Arthur's getting angry again, old incredible Arthur over here." So it turns out that the matter of the episode has to do with a checkers tournament that Mr. Ratburn is looking for somebody in his class to represent uh, the school in. So uh, uh, Mr. Ratburn announces this to the class by saying, class, I have news. And then he writes the word news on the board and underlines it. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't write anything else. Uh, so he, first of all, we find out here that Mr. Ratburn's like, oh, it's uh, to participate in the greatest sport known to man, checkers. And I'm surprised this is... Is this the first we're hearing about Ratburn liking checkers? Because he, likes, he is... likes Chinese checkers, remember? Oh, okay. No, I actually, I actually had forgotten that. Uh, just because checkers is such an integral part of a couple of these characters, I'm surprised we didn't find out Mr. Ratburn's love of, quote-unquote, the sport of checkers. Although, I guess checkers probably more of a sport than professional wrestling, so what do I know? Buster, in a classic Buster move, suggests, like, kind of badgers Arthur into raising his hand and volunteering, but then everybody kind of popular votes brain into it which i feel like brain couldn't have handled this worse like everybody's like like people are literally like pounding the table they're like brain 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 and it goes over to brain he's like mm, nah and everybody's like, and which makes everybody gasp and he's just like yeah i don't really like checkers it's kind of boring it's not as good as chess so the timing of this whole scene is brilliant. Like I love it, this this whole scene is like really really captivating, and I'll tell you why. So we get Mr. Rapper being like, "We needed a volunteer," but uh, Arthur is about to raise his hand. He's like, the words leave his mouth. He's like, oh, "I'll do it." Everybody interrupts him to go, "Brain, brain, brain." Brain has this great delivery of what? Like he has this this great like surprised delivery. Um, and then of course we get brain at his worst. This is like the reverse rubella. We're just at his most Sheldon asked, yeah. uh, talking about how checkers is an inferior, uh, to, uh, inferior to, uh, uh, a chess. So much to the point where I wrote down in my notes, brain sucks. Uh, <laughs> and then in the next scene, I'm sort of a Francine agrees with me with just coming right out the gate with brain is so conceited. Well, yeah, and and it's like I, I I said brain couldn't have handled this worse because I feel like he just really like brain acts like a bit of a jerk here, but I also feel like what he gets in return maybe isn't uh, equal to what happened. Like in the end, he's just like, yeah, I guess so. Like it, he's just so above it all, but it is just because he wasn't listening and doesn't care and. You know, the, like you said, the next scene's like Francine being like, brain is so conceited. I could literally tell from like the way Francine delivered that line that it's like, oh no, we're doing the whole thing where people are misunderstanding brain. Where it's like, don't get me wrong, I also get annoyed with brain, but there's also like, for some reason, every, I'd say <laughs> once every season or two, there's an episode where people misunderstand brain's tone or rather maybe take it. Uh, a bit too far, and they're just like, oh, Brain hates us. It's just like, you know, th- th- I, like it, they're very quick to alienate him. I it's find. true, but that's, a, that's an interesting take, and I was thinking that as well, Will, but, but it's funny because I think this is actually pretty realistic portrayal of, uh, for lack of a better term, like 
talking bad about someone behind their back even though you sure. like them yeah. like like this the way that uh francine is like oh brain could be so conceited and like everybody's coming out of the woodwork to agree with her this right. is kind of like re- once once somebody says it then it's like oh yeah actually but it, like, it, it kind of reminded me of, of like times where you know i've been in classes where like someone in the class like kind of does something similar to what brain does here where they come off as arrogant or conceited or they answer a question in a weird way. And we're like, yeah, all convening after the class being like, what's up with that guy? What was, what's he up to today? Like what, what do you get off on the wrong side of the bread bed? What's which, going on? Which like, is, which is cartoonish as it sounds does happen. Like, like this no, is, I don't, like, I don't, yeah, that's what I'm saying is I don't actually think it's cartoonish at all. I was, uh, it's, I thought it was really interesting how kind of realistic I found this whole interaction, yeah. uh, especially just kind of the 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 quick meeting after the class and all convening about like, whoa, why did Brain say that? Um, <laughs> I thought it spoke to reality really well. Uh, so uh, if someone it, goes, can you believe brain today? <laughs> um, so yeah, while they're in the lunch line, uh, you know, they're talking about how they think brain is conceited and that he probably looks down on them because they're average. So then everybody starts to get behind the idea of Arthur, uh, challenging brain at checkers to be in the tournament because Arthur is average. And uh, once again, we're, we're, and this, this so much, you know, it's not like we're recycling a plot here, but it's just like Arthur very easily peer pressure. It's one of his character flaws. And just like, you know, he, they literally start chanting his name and he's like, okay, yeah, maybe because beforehand Arthur doesn't really care. He's like, I just want to, you know, I like playing checkers for fun, but I don't think of myself as a great player. I'm pretty average. So, but then they put him forward because they wanted to be average. Um, in fact, at they hold a pep rally for Arthur before their first uh, checkers match, and their whole chant is, "Who do we want, Arthur? Why do we want him? He's average." <laughs> He's like representing the common man. He's like the dusty roads of checkers. Yeah, exactly. Um, what does that so, make? What does that make brain? Uh, the Ric Flair of checkers. The Ric Flair of checkers. I think that's giving Brain a little bit too much credit in this instance, I suppose. Uh, for a second, Did when I it... hear someone say, <laughs> King me. Oh my well, I'll tell you who's King me. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh my goodness. When uh, I, brother, <laughs> when I put the red checker down in front of your black checker, you're <laughs> You're going to find out just how long 60 minutes really is. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that, Will, because that, that whole you cutting a promo as Ric Flair about checkers is kind of why I really started to get into this episode in the second half because <laughs> – okay. They do an effective job of hyping up this brain versus Arthur Checker match as like a massive deal. And it's supposed to be in in the logic of the show. I think you're supposed to be like, oh, my goodness, like Francine and Muffy are making such a big deal out of this. You know, brain and, and Arthur are kind of unwilling, unwilling participants in this circus. They're just making it worse for both of them, yada, yada, yada. But their promotional techniques were working on me to the point where I was like, who's going to win in this checkers match? I was like, I wanted to see like a WrestleMania 17 style promo where it's like Lip Biscuit and it's like Arthur and, and Brain face to face. Like, I was I getting have to, hyped. I have to beat you, Brain. <laughs> I need it more than anything you can understand with all due respect. 
like I I got wrapped up in the like uh, you know me will we we both have this in common to an extent you know I'm a wrestling guy I'm an MMA guy I'm I'm a sports guy I'm a you know a battle anime guy I like the idea of two people going toe to toe in like a big a, a contest a contest of wills and 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 uh, 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 wits and and so I was getting into this where I was like. Who's going to win this checkers match? I, I was at the edge of my seat. Um, even though I don't know if that's necessarily the emotion they were trying to elicit from the audience. Arthur, your double check mate and bald headed candy ass belongs to the brain. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching that a lot more because it is indeed WrestleMania season. Yeah, so they, yeah, they're literally hyping this up. Muffy even has a uh, an an internet like news magazine essentially she's got like basically the precursor of a vlog or like or i guess more more appropriately an infowars type of thing yeah I, oh like, this again okay you, you might start to spoilers for the audience i you're starting to realize that i really like this episode this whole subplot of muffy being like a uh having her own website to cover this kind of checkers exposition um is incredible right um, I, I think, so I was looking at this differently than you are. I wasn't getting swept up in it, which I don't blame you for, but I was thinking of this more of like, you know, there's the, the big Arthur pep rally. And then the joke is, is that the only person on brain side is George, which I did Ooh, think was funny. I that liked was George. Very, very funny. <laughs> I liked George as the one guy who was saying boo rain. Um, but there's whole time. It's like, not only were there, was there pep rally based around like gassing up Arthur. It was also like you know, calling brain a snob or an elitist or like he looks down and stuff like this. And I just wrote, I had the note here. I, I really hope we find out how brain feels about all this, whether or not we did, we'll kind of talk about near the end of the episode. Um, so Arthur faces brain and checkers after this big wave of momentum and Brain's, like, not even really interested in the game. He's reading a science textbook, and he's not doing it to be, like, crappy or but, anything but like that. But this is the it's thing, just... right? Optics, Brain. Optics. Yeah, really, really though. Uh, so I believe uh, Brain win- Brain does win that one, and everybody's kind of shocked. And George is like, yay! That's right. So, so the great, again, great visual gag of we have everybody kind of with signs and cheering for Arthur to the point where they break his concentration and, and Arthur actually snaps during the game and tells them to shut up. But uh, uh, so there's everybody cheering for Arthur. And then every once in a while we get just cut back to brain side of the bleachers and there's just one George supporting him. Uh, and and so. All right. This Man, I didn't see this coming. No, so, me neither. This is, there is odd. There, there's a post-pep rally outside the school for Arthur to kind of, you know, circle the wagons back and get momentum on his side for games two and three. And then Arthur's, like, Arthur is initially a little bit, like, wary of the attention he's getting, but then he starts to get into it. Like, he kind of likes it. And he's just like, and we're, and we're going to do game two. And don't forget about game three. And then he goes... Like, he just kind of, like, he gets so amped up that he just, like, does a scream. He snaps. And, I, and I, had, I had to pause the episode, and I wrote the note, wait a minute. Is this an episode about Howard Dean? Who, Will, I, I, uh, just a second. You, do you don't know Howard Dean? Do you, know, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm gonna, I'm... Oh, dude, maybe you were too young. Okay, so... <laughs> 
is this is so weird and so specific. Like I really, I one hundred percent believe. Oh, I know what this is. Okay, I, so, I, I pulled it up on YouTube. Yes, um, yes, yes. I so, was very young at this time, but I, I have seen this in like uh, a college classes and stuff like that. So Howard Dean was like a presidential candidate who was kind of pretty pretty behind in the polls. I think I read uh, around this time around. Uh, January 2004, he was like the third. So he was not really, this was the election going up to, I believe it was uh, George W. Bush and John Kerry. Uh, So he, there's an infamous moment and chances are, if you're on the internet, you've seen it before. And he's at, he's at his like post uh, election, like pep rally or something. And he's like, and we're going to go to this state. We're going to go to this state. Yeah. And yeah, that's I'm watching like, it right now, and it's actually uncanny how similar his delivery of his scream is to Arthur's to the point where it's like, I think, and you look at the timeline of this episode coming out in 2005, I wonder if this is a direct homage. I believe it is. I 100, it's too close. Like, the cadence, like, the lead up to the thing is, too, it's too close. Like, it's, and, and, it's, and then, it's and then 100% also, a Howard Dean reference, and I, my mind was, I, my hair was blown back. Like, I was transported to January 2004 when I would have seen that on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart or something. And also, even if it's not, then it makes no sense. If it's no. not, then it's truly coming out of absolutely nowhere. So it just simply has to be. So, yeah, and, and, and I was like watching this, and I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't thought about the Dean scream in, like, a decade. And, it, it, like, this was... This this sank this guy's political career, for, like career could, for president. Could, like you, this... could you imagine what a what a simpler time where that yeah. something like that could sink your your career for but, president? But this gaffe like followed him for the rest of his campaign, and is basically what he's remembered for is the Dean scream. And like there was a there was a there was a skit on Chappelle's show about it. Where Dave Chappelle played yes. Howard Dean. I do. Uh, so, okay. I do remember the Chappelle. Now you're talking. I do remember the Chappelle's show skit as well. Um, yeah. How quaint to think now. Quaint uh, indeed. And like, just, uh, I, you know, we have, you know, politi- we have uh, presidential candidates confusing their wife with their sister and uh, all kinds of, you want to talk about gaffes. I feel like there's a gaff a week. Um, yeah, to, to think that someone screaming could sink their political career. It's Gap really, re- really has been 15 years, huh? Yes. And <laughs> which is why, like, man, it's, it's not even like, this isn't like, oh, this was terrible or anything like that. I'm just blown away that this made it into an Arthur episode. And it's, you know, a classic, like your mom and dad will know what that is, but it also works within the context of the episode. It's just like, man, Arthur was out here referencing memes before we even like had the words to describe what memes are because this was a meme. <laughs> this was like a YTMND era meme. Wow. This this is this is nuts. Like this I'm still like blown away by this. Like as as I saw it happening, it was like time stood still. <laughs> um so yeah, and this gaff ends up sinking popular support for Arthur. Like Muffy puts it on her website, the Muffy report and is just like, "Can we really stand behind somebody like this?" And the the idea is that now people think Arthur is angry, which I believe is um like the Dean scream was more of just like a funny thing, but I I feel like there was also talk of like is howard dean like too 
angry or amped up or whatever. But that's the idea oh is that like Ar- people people see Arthur as an angry person because of like this yell that he did and when he snapped at everybody during the checkers match. And so I- so the lock the the the, the logic of this it it kind it basically works but it's it's held together by like the loose like the turn people take on Arthur because of his scream and because he yells at everybody like it does all kind of come together but it's just a little t- I feel like there needed to be one more incident or one more kind of Arthur uh drawing the ire of the mob uh to fully justify how harshly everyone turns on him in this instance uh, I don't disagree with you, yeah. but I think it's also another case of like the show um, exaggerating how fickle kids are because the, and we've seen that before with practically every character when they're all in a group, they really turn on somebody very quickly. And sure. I think this is just another instance of that. It, but you're right. Realistically, this is a very flimsy argument from Muffy and the pro Arthur crowd who are now the pro brain crowd. They, they they turn on him, and then they become pro-brain, who doesn't even really care very much. Uh, they have a they have a pep rally uh, for brain, um, and again doesn't doesn't really affect him. Um, and this was kind of interesting. So they have the pep rally. Does does Arthur lose the second match? Either, like, I think I think he I think he concedes. Like I think he just walks out of the second match. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. I was wondering if they got to a third match or not. Yes, that's right. Arthur concedes because he's just sick of the, you know, the circus that's out of it and just kind of walks away. So it's this is actually kind of interesting. Arthur comes to the right conclusion on his own. I'm actually impressed that he, like, knew exactly what was wrong. Like, he's, you know, talking about it to his mom later, and he's like, the problem here is is that, you know, I let like I let the um, the praise of everybody go to my head. Like, I just... I just want to play checkers. I don't want to be the best in the world. And I let um, kind of my my own ego get ahead of me. And that's that's where all my problems come from. I'm like, oh, usually we get some, we would get mom to tell him that that's what happened. But it feels almost a bit like character growth of like, oh, Arthur kind of arrived at that on his own. And then Francine comes to the door and she also arrived at the at the conclusion that what they were doing was wrong. Which is a little strange, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, Francine's like, yeah, we shouldn't have been pressuring you and doing all those pep rallies. Like, that was the wrong thing to do. And I'm like, you need to learn that from somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it feels a bit too convenient. It, like, it's it's one thing for Arthur to be like, I know what went wrong. And it's another thing for, like, Arthur and Francine to be like, we both know where we went wrong. I, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I kind of, I do kind of, this happens so... Uh, infrequently, that it was a kind of a nice change of pace, even though they they did kind of uh, uh, get a little greedy with having Francine do it too. I just thought it was like, oh, it's kind of nice that uh, they can't. It's always nice to watch the characters grow and come to their own conclusions. Yeah, um, it it's just felt a little convenient, is all. Well, I, again, like I said, I think the the. Th- if there's one criticism for this episode, it's just the the third half. There's this, this is a, considering how kind of light on plot the uh, yoga episode is. This episode has so much going on in it that there's almost a little bit not enough time in that third act to kind of 
um, have all this stuff with the turn on Arthur as well as kind of uh, everybody changing their mind and 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 learning the moral. It happens almost a little, just it could have had a little bit more time for all those individual elements to breathe. Uh, but it's not really the fault of the episode. It's that they were so ambitious with this episode. And there's just kind of so many moving parts going on. Yeah, so the end of the episode is that um, in place of Arthur or Brain, Muffy is voted as the person to represent them in the checkers tournament. She's not particularly good at checkers, but they do have like the pep rally for her, which uh, Rapperin essentially kicks them out of the tournament because they're too distracting. Uh, And the end of the episode is just Arthur and Brain playing a friendly game of checkers, which so then then I got to the note of, oh, so we never reckoned with the fact that we were basically bullying Brain. Okay. Well, like it's like I know there's that two, there's there's two ways to read that though, right? We were either bullying Brain or we were right all along and Brain is conceded. But th- th- that's kind of th- the problem with the episode is that uh, by not going back on it, like you said, um, they kind of lead us to those are the only two conclusions, which are t- I guess when you frame it that way are two fairly mean spirited conclusions where the only two possibilities were everybody was being needlessly mean to Brain or Everybody's right, and Brain's just kind of a, a jerk. Um, but you're because they don't circle back, those are kind of the only two conclusions you could draw. I mean, it, like, I'm not a big Brain defender or anything like that, so I kind of don't care. But it's also just a little, a little too bad that nobody was ever like, yeah, Brain, I'm sorry. Like, we didn't mean to kind of think this way about you. It's like that never... Well, yeah. Like, or, no, nothing or, becomes that. Or a, a, a scene where we kind of see why Brain was in a bad mood or, or like something that justifies Brain's behavior. It could come from either direction, right? It could, or even again, this is what I'm talking about, how this episode could use just a little bit more time. Uh, Cause there was so many moving elements. Um, uh, yeah. A quick scene to explain why Brain was acting the way he was acting. Cause he was kind of acting out of turn, well, both kind of the way he was talking about the uh, reading during the checkers match and, and, and kind of the way he was talking about everything, but also a scene where kind of the, the kids apologize for being so extra. I think those two things in combination could um, provide valuable context. So we don't have to kind of have these unanswered questions. Well, and it's, and like, I I agree that it would be nice to know like why brain was acting so aloof, but it's just like two wrongs don't make a right. You know, it's not like because he was a jerk, he like deserved to be bullied. And I know that's not what you're saying, but Well, I also, yeah, yeah, I would have I, I would have felt better if they at least had acknowledged Brain rather than just have him kind of be something. I've, j- just 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 something just something for the plot to move forward. Speaking of Brain being bullied, by the way, something I forgot to mention is those signs they make those anti-Brain signs they bring to yeah. the to the first match. Um, looks just like something that like any sort of skate brand those kind of, kind of like doodle style like daniel johnson like supreme like doodle style white skate brand t-shirts it's the yeah. exact same art style i would love a t-shirt <laughs> with that with that anti-brain logo on it maybe 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 that should be our next one Ooh. okay that's the end of the episode let's go back to threes a crowd how did this one strike you lucas I don't know. I don't really like Three's a Crowd that much. Like, I, I really liked the moment Ru- Rubella. I liked the start with Prunella and uh, uh, I can always have trouble pronouncing her name. Marina? Marina. Marina. Okay. I always want to take away a syllable or add a syllable. Um, but besides that, like we were talking about when we were discussing the episode, it's a little too samey. Um, and that would be okay as if there was 
a little bit more substance to it, but I just feel like there was so little to talk about. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, that's a very specific problem for us because we have to talk about it. But I also think that comes through in the episode two where while you're watching, there's just not that much going on. Um, so, yeah, I kind of bounced off Three's a Crowd. I kind of did too. It didn't really do much for me. And especially once I kind of realized that it's like, oh, this is kind of the same thing that we've done before. Like it, it just, it just lost me a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong. I really like when we give Pr- Prunella and Marina more screen time, uh, especially again in a story where like Marina's blindness didn't really come into it at all. It's just kind of who she is. I just wish we could do more episodes where they're, where they're just friends and they don't have to like have their friendship on the line. Um, other than that, it was kind of interesting to look back at, uh, what yoga was like, um, back, back in, back in the day, but yeah, it didn't really do much for me. And I have to be honest, A's for Angry didn't do much for me either. I know it did for you and I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of your thoughts put together, but it was, it was, it kind of more struck me as odd more than anything. It's such, it's a very, I do agree with that. Especially like from (laughs) Arthur's scream on. I was like, this is a weird episode. Like, it, which is, but it's not, which is we- all- but it's not weird in like the Lynchian, like, okay, there's something like psychedelic or overtly visually crazy going on. Like, it's not weird when we talk about weird Arthur episodes, like, you know, the dream sequences, that kind of stuff. It's weird in a way where it's hard to put your finger on. Yeah. And it's, but also weird isn't bad. Like, I, I kind of, I liked the concept of the episode and I thought it was interesting. It just kind of didn't do a whole lot or like didn't go in an interesting enough place, I guess is what I'm saying. And the fact that we kind of, it all, it all felt a little too neat, I suppose, which is, you know, it's a children's show. I can't complain about the plot too, too much, at least without sounding like a, like a whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to this that I found super entertaining or meaningful. It's fine, but I'd, Kind of don't have a lot to say about it, but but like like I said, the the Howard Dean part was <laughs> like the, a scene through time kind of thing, and now I, Lucas, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. Well, I I loved A is for Angry. Um, I, it definitely is messy. Like I don't I I think it's a very imperfect Arthur episode, but I think it's an Arthur episode that particularly speaks to me. Just in that I was pretty just entertained by it. So. I guess what I mean by that is I don't think it was effective in being like an Arthur episode. The, the Arthur episodes that really stand apart that we've always talked about, you know, the the prime examples like Old Grandpa's Country Farm, right, where it's funny. Um, yes. It it uh, tackles a complicated subject that you don't normally see tackled in children's television. Uh, it's well written, and all the pieces come together to kind of make it be like the prototypical perfect episode. This right. is not that. This episode <laughs> introduces like four different threads. There's, like, brain acting weirdly aloof. There's this checker tournament. There's, like, Arthur kind of being apprehensive about being in it, and then he he agrees to be in it. And then there's this there's this Muffy's being a media person subplot. There's everybody organizing these weird pep rallies. Then there's this hard turn where everybody gets mad at Arthur for being too angry. Um, like, it keeps introducing all these things, and maybe that's why I liked it so much is because, you know, I drank two coffees today. I'm 
halfway through a Yerba Mate, so my ADHD caffeinated brain is bouncing around. I'm bouncing off the walls. I'm in quarantine. So I was just like, I was like, all right, I'm along for this crazy wild ride that this Arthur episode is. Um, but like I said, uh, I, and I, that's kind of why I like it, because it is so messy and, and just kind of strange. Um, though I do think it could actually be uh, uh, an actually kind of in the classic sense, good, quote unquote, good Arthur episode if it had a little bit more time to breathe or if they tried to introduce uh, one or two less kind of elements, right? So like we talked yeah. about before in our previous conversation, um, kind of providing more context for what's going on with Brain, uh, providing kind of uh, more motivation for everyone's turn on Arthur, uh, and then finally kind of uh, making the transition to everybody kind of th- realizing the wrongs uh, a little bit more smooth. I think all of those elements would have in, uh, uh, made it just kind of a better episode. But that aside, I have to admit, I had such a good time watching this episode. Like, I thought it was so entertaining. And a part of me is disappointed that there's a universe out there where this is just straight up in like the style of like sports anime. What if we got rid of all the morals, all the other elements, and we just made an episode about Arthur and Braid getting into a checkers competition where Braid's the villain and Arthur's the hero? And yeah, it's like that, it's that like would, a Karo no Go or something. Yeah, that would also be really cool. Uh, but yes. in lieu of that, uh, I I really enjoyed A's for Angry. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad. I'm I'm, I'm very glad that you got something out of it. Uh, even if I may not have. Well, that's uh, that's our Arthur episode for this uh, edition of Elwood City Limits. And of course, we're always eager to hear from you. And I know that you guys are eager to hear more from us, especially in times like these. So, of course, over on the Patreon, as we mentioned before, we've got a newly named podcast called For the Kids, where we're talking about every PBS Kids show. And we've already talked about Teletubbies. Next week on the Patreon show, since we won't have an ECM, episode next week we'll be talking about the classic zoom i'm very excited to do research on it and uh, (laughs) i'm hearing that zoom uh, is in the news a lot lately i hear a lot of people are, are using the zoom thing as a matter of fact, yeah, that's right. Um, but we will be back with a new episode of ECL. Oh, and before I forget, on Sunday, I decided that because, uh, well, things are the way they are, you might need a bit more uh, audio content to listen to. So in case you didn't notice, on our feed, our podcast feed, and on our social media, we put up the final piece of uh, original Patreon content that you can now get for absolutely free. It's our full-length commentary for Arthur, It's Only Rock and Roll, which is the hour-long special featuring the Backstreet Boys. So if you want to watch Arthur, It's Only Rock and Roll, which is a lot of fun, and have Lucas and I watch it with you, you can sync up that commentary track and uh, have yourself some fun and uh, kill some time. This This is how long we've been doing this, Will, and how much of a whirlwind 2020 was is that I, like, have no recollection of watching that with you. <laughs> like, this, I this have, was... like, I I remember recording Arthur commentaries. I had completely forgotten that I had seen It's All the Rock and, rock and Roll, let alone done commentary for it. <laughs> so I believe we recorded this one in your old uh, apartment in downtown Dartmouth. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So, so it was that long ago. So and and you know once 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 this all of this is over, I think we Lucas and I will be all too happy to get together and record another commentary. So there's more of those coming in the future, and uh, but you've got a free one for you right now. Just check out the podcast feed and download it and have some fun. 
And the next time we're here on ECL, we will be uh, talking about the stories The A-Team and Emily Swallows a Horse. So a lot of A's. A's for angry, the A-Team. So we'll uh, we'll see what A has to do with this time. Well, we hope that you're doing well wherever you are and whatever your situation is. And uh, remember, you can always come to ECL for a little bit of entertainment. And we hope to be with you as uh, you have been with us as well. So my name's Will Young. And for Lucas Mancini, you should try getting off the bike before you park it. We'll see you next time. Words of wisdom from Buster in these trying times.